Coming to you on some serious tape delay via a podcast near you. From that hockey hotbed of San Jose, California, it's Dudes on Hockey. He is now accepting callers. He is calling me Dude. And now your hosts, Mike and Doug. Hey there, and welcome to the Dudes on Hockey podcast. I'm Mike. That's Doug. Dude, welcome back from Disney World. The listeners don't know why we've been on a delayed broadcast. It's because you've been partying with Mickey Mouse. I've been in the most magical place on Earth, dude. And tell me, as I am a Disneyland fan. I know you you are. uh, We go many times a year. Not to Disney World, dude. We haven't gone out there yet. We go to Disneyland, dude. Tell me, what was your favorite thing at Disney World? Well, I went on the Mars ride immediately after I ate poutine at Epcot. Because you told me to get poutine. And I said, okay. And I looked for it, and I finally found it. And it wasn't great, the poutine. I mean, <laughs> it wasn't good. And then, I, but I wanted it. And it sort of scratched that itch, you know, when you want like something specific, and then you go get it, and then... You're like, yeah. And then I went on the Mars ride, and apparently the Mars ride, they have had to sort of tone it down a couple of different times. And there's two different levels of the Mars ride. There's like the orange level and the green level, and the orange level is more intense. And they tell you literally 10 times, if you don't think like you should do this, then get out of line and go do the... So, of course, I do the, you know, the more intense one. Yeah. And then, And then my stomach did not feel good after that and there also was a really big delay before we went in so i think someone actually might have vomited right before we went in there so it was a it was a good sequence of events i had the poutine i went on the intense mars ride where they told you that vomiting could ensue i think someone may have gotten sick immediately before us and then i went in there withstood a couple of g's and uh didn't feel great. So that but but the ride was intense. It was fun. It was good. So I recommend that sequence to anyone. Nice, dude. <laughs> well, welcome home. Thanks. And uh I was insanely jealous of your your trip. Did now it sounds like you did not make it to Avatar Land. I don't where is that? I don't even know that. There's too many dude. lands out there. There's like 70 dude. lands. I don't know all the lands. That's at the Animal Kingdom. Oh, See, that's the one I didn't go to. I went to the other three. You didn't three. consult me on this. You didn't consult me. I did not. You're right. I went to Hollywood Studios and Magical Kingdom and uh, Epcot. I did yeah. not go to the zoo to see the animals in captivity living lives in bondage. I didn't see that. But they have the avatar land dude which is the new land dude you should have gone to that and not to the magic kingdom you could do that in la dude you didn't consult me you made a huge mistake and now your trip is a failure in retrospect i made a huge mistake you did you did who's a bigger failure the buffalo sabers for the return for Vander kane or mike's uh disneyland trip clearly the buffalo sabers (laughs) clearly because they didn't almost get sick on the mars ride and i did i win I think they did get sick when they realized that nobody wanted Evander Kane. Yes, that was so <laughs> clearly that's the news since we've been gone is the trade deadline came and went and the Sharks did in fact make a huge deal after everyone sort of said, "Oh, Sharks might stand pad, blah blah blah." Well, the Evander Kane stuff came to fruition and it seems like 
the Buffalo Sabres were looking for a gigantic return, and at first glance, it looked like the Sharks gave it to him. But as I think you're going to hear on this podcast, if you look at that compared to some other things that happened on trade deadline, the Sharks actually got a pretty good deal for Evander Kane. Dude, tell us about it. Dude, well, when I first saw the report of the deal, I was very confused. Uh, Your text to me was, quote, I hate this. (laughs) That's what you texted me. I did. I I was upset. Um, I... I didn't feel like the Sharks were in a position to be making a rental. And I assumed, based on all of the other deals that had happened, the wildly inflated prices for Broussard, for Rick Nash, for Paul Stasny, that uh, the Sharks had given up, you know, two of their best prospects, first-round pick, you know, maybe even you know, one of their young roster players in order to get this deal done. And then when it becomes evident that that they did none of those things in order to acquire uh, Evander Kane, I started to (laughs) like the deal a little bit more. Um, And after I saw him play in person, uh, I liked it a lot more because I think Evander Kane brings so much to the table that we haven't had in the Sharks roster since Ryan Clough, uh that it, it's changed everything in terms of how the forward lines are made up and how they um, are functioning. But we'll get into that more later. So to recap the deals, I'm sure most listeners know, Evander came to the Sharks for a conditional 2019 first, which is only a first if... Evander Kane re-signs with the Sharks, which I think is clearly Doug Wilson's intention here, is for that to happen. I might talk if, a little bit more about that in a minute. Or the Sharks win the Stanley Cup, which I don't think will care if they give up a 2019 first-rounder if by some miracle the Sharks win the Stanley Cup this year. A 2020 um, fourth-round conditional pick, also based on those same conditions, and useless forward to Danny O'Regan. So <laughs> useless forward. That's a little harsh, isn't it? So when you look at the price, dude, compared to the other deals that happened for name veterans, the Sharks, it's like they went to they got the blue light special, dude. Like they they got such a discounted price on a player that might have been the most talented player moved. I think you could make an argument for that. I think you could. Some some, some might push for uh, a Broussard. Yeah. But uh, I think it, it's tough. Uh, Kane is a established goal scorer and offensive threat with physical side that I'm excited to have in a Sharks uniform. And I, I think it was a good deal. I think Doug Wilson stuck to his guns and he bent the Sabres over and got a player in Teal that this is the only way to get a player like this in San Jose, dude, because he wasn't going to come via free agency. Unless they offered him the max or something, right? But, but no, you're right. But, you're right. This is how the Sharks have gotten all of these players over the years and the list is long and distinguished uh you know i remember when i was watching the 
Oilers game, they put on a, a screen graphic that said this is the number. Th- these are the first round picks the Sharks have gotten, and you know, all through trade, and Joe Thornton and so many others, uh, and Evander Kane is the latest. Um, I think what we're glossing over, if we want, we we just heard the glass half full, which I agree with almost everything you just said, but clearly. Evander Kane comes with some baggage, or at least some perceived baggage. He's had a couple of legal incidents. He's had some reports of uh, some douchey behavior with teammates um, and uh, coaches. So this is the unknown of Evander Kane, right? This is what we don't know. Even as recently as this past year, there were reports of him clashing with teammates, teammates causing, calling him selfish, things like this. This is, this is the downside. This is one of the reasons, uh, maybe the biggest reason why the Sharks got such a deal for Evander Kane. How worried are you about these past incidents? And how worried are you that they'll carry forward to the Sharks? Uh, I'm, I'm mildly concerned, dude, but not overly concerned just based on the total lack of issues that we've had around this team in recent history. Even some of the minor things that have come up, um, there seems to be a pretty strong room here, a pretty strong culture within that locker room. And you just hope that I'm in in Kane's defense here, and I don't know the guy, right? I mean, he hasn't been around any sort of winning environment or good situation ever. True. Never. He's never played on a, in a playoff game. He's been on loser after loser after loser after loser. You've got to imagine that that's got a grade on you after time. Now, does that excuse any sort of, you know, uh, legal issues or behavior? No, it doesn't. But could being in a winning environment, could making the Stanley Cup playoffs, could winning a round maybe turn a guy's career around? I think it's possible. I think Doug Wilson's betting on that. And, you know, Wilson's clearly valuing talent over uh, history here and willing to take the risk. Because the truth is, as I said earlier, the Sharks can't attract this kind of player. Otherwise, I know people are saying we've got the cap room to get Tavares. Come on. That's not going to happen. Right. I I want it to happen. It's not going to happen. He's not coming here. Now, I think there are some other alternatives to that that could be possible. But I don't know if you can sniff a player like this unless you get him here first. So I think it's worth the risk, dude. I think the Sharks have, have such a shallow prospect pool. They didn't really dip into any of that. They just gave up future considerations in order to maybe reinvent a guy's career and have him be the superstar that people thought he might be. Right. And I think, honestly, the fact that he's not signed after this year normally would be seen as a negative for a deal like this. Everyone would scream rental. Because of these off-ice, quote-unquote, issues that everybody... like That's the term people use. Off-ice issues. Off-ice issues. Because of that, whatever you want to call it, the fact that he's not signed is actually partially to the Sharks' benefit. I think the Sharks are going to be able... Maybe they won't be able to get a complete sense of 
how he can fit into this team when he plays 20 games, right? You don't know if he's going to be comfortable with all of his line mates, if he's going to be comfortable with the system, how different the, the system is on the Sharks than it was in Buffalo, etc. right? That can take some time. But certainly within the span of a couple months or three months or more, you can get a feel for a, a, a person, right? Especially if you see them at the rink every day, you see them working out, you see them practicing, you see them traveling to the game, and you see them hanging out with the boys after the game, etc. And so in this case, it actually, I, I might submit, it's a benefit to the Sharks that he's not signed because then Doug Wilson can really measure to see if this is the right guy to be on the Sharks long-term, and he's not committed, right? Of course, as you said, the Sharks will be giving up stuff, lesser stuff, if they don't sign him, but they will have the option, right? They will have, of course, first option. They can sign him before July 1st because he's already under contract. They can offer him a deal if, they, if they're happy with what they see. But in some ways, I think it's actually kind of a benefit. If, you know, after the season's over or during the season or when the time comes up, you go to Joe Pavelski and you say, is this a guy you want on your wing for the next six years? And you listen to what Joe Pavelski has to say, right? You, you talk to Marco Dvorak and these other veterans on the team that have been there before, that have made it to the Stanley Cup Finals. And you say, is this a guy that you want around, right? And then you decide to offer him a contract or not. You know, the Sharks have that option. And clearly, I think Doug Wilson has taken his measure and thinks, okay, I think this guy can fit in. But luckily, he gets to see even more up close before he has to pull that trigger. I think that's actually a good thing. The plan that we've speculated upon and that hasn't been clear until now to me is abundantly clear. The Sharks intend to add two impact players for next season. One of them is probably Evander Kane. They're going to try and add Tavares, and if they can't, then maybe they'll take a swing at John Van Riemsdyk or a player like that. If they can add Evander Kane and JVR to their current core, this team is significantly better. It is. Correct? Yeah, it's yeah. It and already is better. It's with, better with Kane. than Kane right now. Yeah, yeah. If you could add Van Riemsdyk's 30 goals to this team, I mean, how, how much better is this team? I think that Doug Wilson's gamble here is that he's he's planning to add a player like that. If it's JVR, if it's James Neal, if it's, uh, you know, he finds a player at unrestricted free agency who's willing to come that can put up 30 goals, he's banking that if he has to give up that 2019 first-round pick, it's going to be in the low 20s and it won't matter. It's not like he's going to be giving up a lottery pick. Yeah. That's the plan. Yep, that's the plan. And so if that's the case and you were able to get Kane and some other impact player and the price was the number 26 pick, you, you do that. You, you do that every time. So um, initially, didn't love it. I've come around to it, dude. I think that it it's given me some hope for not just this year, which I think – you know, watching Nashville play this last week is this year is mostly a dead end, I think, in the Western Conference with how good they are. But um, 
that it's given me hope that there is a, a bigger plan here in order to add to this core and have them continue to be competitive. Because right now the Sharks are, are just straight up overachieving without Joe Thornton. I mean, they're they're playing better than I thought they would after that happened. And they certainly have blown up these last two games, adding Kane, scoring 12 goals. They've scored 12 goals. Right. Well, they lost the three before that, and, and none of those performances were particularly great. So it's it hasn't been all roses since Joe Thornton got hurt, let's be honest. I mean, they lost a stinker. Uh, as you said, they got blown out by Nashville. They lost to the last place Chicago Blackhawks, which is weird to say. And then they blew a lead in Minnesota and lost in overtime. Of course, you know, you get a new player who's a 20-goal scorer, perennial 20-goal scorer. Yeah, you get happy, and they, they beat Edmonton, and then they got their comeuppance against Chicago and blew them out big time. But it's still a little up and down here for the Sharks. I wouldn't put only a happy face on it here. Yep, I mean, but, it, but you're focusing on those three losses, which I think are not good losses, dude. But I mean, they've still won seven of their last ten games. Like they're, they're not, they're in a better spot than I certainly thought they would be in. And I think that they're also in a benefit that of how inconsistent the rest of the Pacific division has been, you know, nobody's been able to step up and dude, for the first time all year, we're seeing Vegas has lost three in a row. The shine is starting to come off a little bit. They're going on the road. I could easily see Vegas taking a dump. We're only, I think, what are we? Six, eight points behind them. Like, you know, I could see Vegas on this East Coast trip completely going in the toilet, dude, because I think it's finally coming to with them. You know, they've gone five and five in their last 10. They've lost three in a row. You know, it wouldn't shock me if they completely fall apart here at the end. It's been an unrealistic run for them. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true, and they, they're already the most the winningest expansion team ever in NHL history. It's crazy. It's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a weird, crazy story for Vegas, who added Thomas Tatar at the deadline, actually. Another, well, <laughs> if we want to talk about trade, trades, which we well, always love to do, maybe yeah, now is the time, and we should start with the Thomas Tatar deal. They give up a first, a second, and a third for him. Is that the worst deal of the day? Um, is that the worst deal of the day? Uh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I, I guess so. I, I think, um, I don't, I don't like the Rick Nash deal for the Rangers. I think that that was, although they got rid of Matt Bolesky's contract, which I think for them was worth it, but, um, yeah, three picks for Tatar. I think on in Vegas's what Vegas would say is that they're getting a player for who's under contract for a couple more years who fits into their long-term plans. Um and they've just added another you know veteran you know presence. It's just, you know, what what is he? Is he a, you know, 40-point player, or a you know, 30-point player? He's not having a good year. Um it's not a horrible trade. But it's not a good one. I don't think he's worth a first, a second, and a third. Yeah, I don't see where that that comes from. 
I don't uh, see the Nash deal as so bad for the Rangers, frankly. That's not a great contract. Like you said, they got they uh and you know, I I they got and they got three players and two picks. Yeah, I don't think it's a bad trade for the Rangers. I'm right. talking about that it's not a great trade for the Bruins. Like, right, right. You know, yeah. Rick Nash is a shell of his former self and you know, on a Bruins team that has performed way better than I think you you and I both expected. Um, with them losing Bergeron now, we'll see what happens. I know I don't know how long he's going to be out. He's going to be out in a couple of weeks. That's going to hurt them big time. You know, to give up a first round player next year and then a forward in Ryan Spooner, who you know is a a good young player. Um, if they go out in the first round. That that really wasn't worth it. I don't think. Right. Uh, but they seem to be convinced that they're going to make a a uh, a little bit of a run here. But that's a that's a brutal bracket. You know, you've got the Leafs, the Lightning, and the Bruins. Like that's brutal. Yeah. Like it 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 makes. I want to say Tampa Bay is the favorite to come out. When you think they they're going to have to go through one or two of those teams that's very difficult when you look across the other way and uh pittsburgh might have a little bit of a a cakewalk in the metro yeah well washington's Uh, still there washington i i i don't think they're that good dude like i mean i i just i look at them and i go again like yeah. just not I'm not impressed. Like I, I think they I thought last year was gonna be their year and they fumbled it. And I mean I think the Metro is 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 not a very good division. You know, when you've got the Flyers in second place. I yeah. Mean, the the, the number one team Devils, in the division has eighty one points. You know, that's the lowest of any of the divisions. So Yeah. Um it's going to be difficult. It's going to be fun to watch. I think the the Atlantic will be fun, dude. Uh, let's talk about talking about the Penguins. They they acquired Derek Broussard, uh for Ian Cole, the first, a third, and goalie prospect Philip Gustafson. They also get back a third round pick. Um, what do you think about Pittsburgh adding Broussard? Mm, I'm not sure if that's what they needed, to be honest. So, um, you know, I. Pittsburgh's always going to be dangerous with the personnel that they have, right? Especially if that personnel can stay healthy, which is always, which hasn't been for sure, uh, you know, in quite a while, but <laughs> they get even more firepower. It doesn't, it doesn't, if you're, if you're in that division, it's not making you feel good about it. You're like, Oh great. Now we have to deal with Broussard and Malkin and Crosby. Fantastic. Right. And plus some of these pretty decent young players they got on the team. So, um, did they get, did they give up too much? I don't know. I think I, I don't necessarily think that they did because I think they, they're sort of that team that you were talking about a few podcasts ago. There's just like, now's the time to win, man. Just give up what you got to give up to get the players you want. Right. It's not, I mean, you don't get like completely taken and I wouldn't right. say they got completely taken, but they got the best player and some people like to simplistically look at trades with whoever got the best player won the deal which i think is way overly simplistic but the penguins certainly got the best player in the deal there's no question about that yeah 
And I mean, until now, Matt Murray is out with a concussion, which, you know, if he's not healthy by the time they start the playoffs, they're done. Um, they they got worked twice this week with this with their you know backup goalie in there. So um, it, if Murray's healthy, then you know, dude, are we looking at at the Pittsburgh Penguins making the Eastern Conference Finals again? Sure, could easily happen. Yeah, it could, and then they'd be sitting there waiting for whoever got the crap kicked out of them in the Atlantic. So uh, it'll be interesting. That's just something to keep an eye on. You know, matchups can can lead to advantages. Um, I, the Nashville Predators getting Mike Fisher out of retirement, trading for Ryan Hartman, giving up a first round pick. Yep, for Ryan Hartman from the Blackhawks. I will. Was a little surprised by that, but um, I guess getting a talented, controllable player for them right now was was worth it. And the Lightning, Dude. despite being on top of the NHL, made a maybe the biggest deal of the day. They got JT Miller and Ryan McDonough from the Rangers. Yeah, yeah. Now, McDonough is not healthy, so um, some eyebrows raised there. But the Lightning gave up a ton. Yes, they uh, did. They, yes, to, they did. In order to get those two players. But they got two players that, you know, if McDonough comes back healthy, uh, you know, they could they could help them finish this thing off finally. So uh, I do like that trade for them. I think they're also in the, that same position. Their window is now uh, to win. So, uh, you know, futures be damned and, uh, you know, go for it. So uh, I think that that was a good deal. I know that uh, giving up the – the Russian center, uh, who's having a good year, is a difficult pill to swallow, but they had depth down the middle, and they got back JT Miller, who is uh, almost as productive on the stat sheet, and they wanted a winger. So uh, that worked out well for them. Dude, um, if I told you that a team gave up a first-round pick, a high-level prospect, and a fourth-round pick for a veteran player, what team am I talking about? The San Jose Sharks, dude. Dude, I'm talking about the Winnipeg Jets. They actually gave up a first-round pick, their second-rated prospect, and a fourth for Paul Stastny. So when you think about how the Sharks gave up a conditional first, a conditional fourth, and Danny O'Regan, who maybe isn't even an NHL player, who would you rather have, Paul Stastny or Evander Kane? That's There's no question there at all. I'd rather have Evander Kane for sure. So when you look at the, the prices side-by-side, you know, it's no question the Sharks got a deal here, dude. I mean, they, they got a deal. And um, Doug Wilson has had some swing and miss, swings and misses. And in the end, this may be a miss if Kane doesn't resign or if Kane ends up being signed to a long-term deal and then goes completely off the rails right? Uh, in terms of behavior. But I think it's a risk worth taking, dude. Um uh, one minor move that happened, the Sharks acquired 2018 six-round pick for Troy Grosnick, who's fallen completely out of favor in the organization, and Brandon Bolig, who I had completely forgotten was part of the organization. So, <laughs> um, that's that's an excellent summary of that deal. So to even acquire a six-round pick for that package of people is a miracle. Yeah, and they re-signed Aaron Dell, dude. They did, and you know, which is actually quite surprising. That. Quite surprising. That Very may be surprising. the most surprising thing the Sharks did over the last two weeks. You know, Aaron Dell hasn't been as sharp of 
late, but he has certainly been a major part of the Sharks' success this season. And to see them convince him to not even test the market, like, um, is shocking. But um, they must have known they were close to that extension by feeling confident enough to dump Grosnick um, to the Predators. So good for Doug Wilson. I mean, keeping Aaron Dell two years, 1.9 million cap hit each year. An important part of the future, uh, not just the future, but the, but the now, you know, to, to have that security knowing that Dell's going to be here for the next two seasons. So I think it's been a good week for Doug Wilson, dude. It's been a good week after he's had some pretty questionable transactions in the last 18 months. Uh, he's redeemed himself a little bit in my eyes. Yeah, I think so. The Dell deal still makes me shake my head. I, Aaron Dell was the best backup goalie in the NHL in the first half of the season. And, you know, there were talk about trade rumors because there was no way we're going to resign him. And then we resigned him for a very reasonable amount of money when he could have gone the Cam Talbot role, uh, route and maybe gotten a, a big deal from some team to be the starter. You know, there's plenty of teams out there like, oh, I don't know, the Pittsburgh Penguins that don't that have some goalie issues at the moment. And Aaron Dell had some pretty eye-popping stats through the first half of the year. So I'm not exactly sure how those conversations went down, but uh, it's probably to the Sharks' benefit. It's kind of amazing, frankly. Oh, there's no question that's to the Sharks' benefit. And, and it is surprising that, you know, uh, Doug Wilson must have called Aaron Dell's bluff and said, we're making an offer, and if if you don't take this, then, you know, we'll continue to have conversations, but I'm going to, when the season's over, be actively looking to replace you. So if you want to stay here, we need to deal with this now because I'm going to assume that you're leaving. And, um, you know, we haven't seen this in the NHL free agency because I think it's a little bit different, but, you know, Major League Baseball free agency this offseason has been a disaster for the free agents. It's been a disaster. And there's still so many um, free agents that are unsigned, major, you know, all-star players, unsigned, uh, because teams aren't willing to spend the money. Uh, we've seen this. We've seen veterans in the NHL get squeezed out of roster spots. Yep. Uh, the uh, rise of the PTOs, the rise of players going overseas because they uh, there's no place for them in in a uh, teams try to fill out their rosters with cheaper players. Um, could Aaron Dell have been nervous that he wasn't going to get what he wanted when he got out there? And, you know, maybe it was a safer, much safer decision to take the money. You know, $3.8 is nothing to sneeze at, dude, for a guy who's probably made nothing over 600000 I say that like I make 600000 <laughs> Right. Nothing, it was but, convincing the way you said that. You know, I mean, like he's getting it a, a three-times pay raise. Um and who knows what, I don't know what his situation is. You know, maybe he's, maybe he wants to plant roots here in San Jose. You know, we don't know if he's, uh, what his personal life is like, but he clearly wanted to stay. And yeah. The Sharks wanted, wanted him to stay. So it's a good move for the team. Maybe he's a big fan of Johan Hedberg. <laughs> you just never know. Maybe. Dude. maybe. Well, dude, it's, we're now into the last quarter of the season, and the Sharks 
have some uh, tough games coming up. They got uh, Columbus. Actually, you know, I'm going to look at the standings right now because I have no idea where Columbus is at. Columbus, Columbus is, is not good. They're, they're a borderline playoff team. No, they're not that good, dude. They're sixth in the Metro. They're not that good. Um, they, they're five points out of a playoff spot. Yeah, easily. They're, they're not that good. Um, they've been below expectations. That's a very winnable game for the Sharks at this point. St. Louis has uh, gone in the toilet, dude. Uh, that's a winnable game for the Sharks. Yeah, St. Sharks Louis always- has dropped to sixth in the Central, but yeah. they are they are tied with Colorado. And, and those two teams are going in completely different directions. I mean, Colorado yeah. is playing great, very well. Even without Eric Johnson, they're playing well. They beat uh, they beat Minnesota today at home, big win. Um, as they try to find a way into the playoffs. Uh, Washington, the Sharks always match up well against Washington. It's true. I, I think, and and Detroit is not good. So it is, it's there for the Sharks to get seven, eight points in these next four home games. Uh, and then they've got, you know, three games in Western Canada that are also all very winnable. Right. So uh, I look ahead at the Sharks' schedule for the month of March and, you know, uh, I think they've got two games against Vegas. It'll be very interesting to see which Vegas team we're looking at at that point. Yep. Um, where they're going to be uh, in terms of the standings. It could be a lot tighter. I mean, it, it it's funny to, to think that the Sharks without Joe Thornton might be contending for the Pacific Division crown, but they might. Uh, you know, Vegas has five road games coming up here on the East Coast. Uh, the quality of opponent is poor. <laughs> you know, New Jersey is a playoff team, which I just don't even know how. Uh, Columbus. <laughs> Taylor, dude, Taylor Hall. Two words, Taylor Hall. Yeah, okay. MVP, Taylor Hall. Could be. Good. I mean, would you rather have Taylor Hall or Adam Larson? Um, Taylor Hall? <laughs> uh Columbus, Detroit, Buffalo, Philadelphia. I mean, like they, they, they should win, you know, those road games, but I'm very curious to see what's going to happen with, with Vegas in the next, uh, next couple of weeks. Dude, you heard it here first. They're going, they're, they're going in the toilet. By the time they play the sharks, I think they'll be separated by two or three points. Wow. Okay, okay. Well, dude, the Sharks do have L.A. at only two points behind and Anaheim at three points behind. So it's still quite tight here in the Pacific. And then Calgary's three more points behind that. So Calgary's six points behind us, but three points separate second and fourth in the Pacific Division. So it's still plenty tight. We need to win these games because L.A. and Anaheim have both played well as of late. Uh, So... They're both over 500 in their last 10. They both are winning games. Anaheim's playing even better than LA is, as we probably would have expected. So I don't think the Sharks can afford to take their foot off the gas at this point. I hope the uh, Evander Kane honeymoon lasts a while. want to see him get his first goal. He's certainly been in and around the net a hell of a lot in these first two games. That first game against Edmonton, it was, I mean, other than not scoring, it was pretty much everything you wanted to see. I mean, he uh, he was very physical. 
he got into it with uh, some guy named Benning on the Edmonton team and he got a roughing penalty for it. And when he got put in the penalty box, uh, he just, he was just giving Benning just a rash of crap. Was it like Brad in- Benning? <laughs> what? Uh, that's only funny for one person. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> I still, I'll still ask that question every time. Dude, I mean, like it was, it was fun. We haven't had a player like that since Clo. I really liked it. It changes everything, because you know he's not just talented. He's, he can handle himself. And if you don't know what we're talking about, look up the game uh, where he fought the same guy three time, times and basically punked him every single time. Yeah, he won all like, three fights. It was great. He beat his, he beat the other guy's ass three yeah. times in a row. It changes everything when you have a guy like that. He's not there to fight. But he he can keep the other teams honest by being out there because you got to be careful because he's physical and he's skilled and you know I just hope that he can keep his uh, personal stuff together because having him in teal talent wise for a long time would be a huge bonus yeah a huge bonus to this team if you can have two power forwards like Timo Meyer. And Evander Kane on the team makes life very difficult for other teams when when you've got guys with that kind of skill and that kind of toughness. Very difficult. Good stuff, dude. I want to talk really quickly about Martin Jones. Okay. How well he's playing, dude. He had a 932 save percentage uh, for the month of February, uh, which is what what how would you rank that percentage, dude? That is uh, extremely impressive. Extremely yeah. impressive. Yeah. So uh, he has put the team on his back, back at times. And, you know, this is the guy that we saw, you know, the year that the Sharks made the cup run. And if he can get hot, dude, and continue to be hot, I'd say if he can get hot, he is hot. If he stays hot, you know, with how weak the Pacific is, it's possible, dude. It's possible. Yeah. You're right. I mean, the, the Sharks have a very little question right now in terms of the goaltending position, which is a very nice, comfortable place to be, which you can't say that about all the teams. I'm just, I was looking up save percentage leaders, and Martin Jones is actually 19th, which is surprising. But there's a big uh, log jam right in front of him at 919. He's at 918 for the season. Um, yeah, there, I mean, there's some surprising names here, as you would normally expect. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury near the top and Pecorine back near the top. So we saw Pecorine uh, sort of stumble a little bit uh, two years ago, at least, when when the Sharks beat uh, the Preds in the playoffs. We'll see if he can regain form because that that will certainly bode well for them. Dude, we haven't touched on the other trade the Sharks made. They acquired uh, center Eric Fair for a seventh-round pick in the year 2032 or whatever I mean, it was like <laughs> basically we could draft you know, eric fair's son a, a yeah. gift uh and it's paid off instantly i mean eric fair is a stanley cup winner won a cup against the sharks as a member of the penguins he's big he can kill penalties he can win face-offs he's responsible and he's been an instant improvement at that fourth line center role and a very under the radar 
sort of Nick Spalling-like pickup. Yeah, except he might play more than Nick Spalling. But yes, I, I it seems like you know based on the noise that have come out of the Sharks over the past couple of months, they're they wanted to shore up that fourth line position because it seems Chris Tierney's pretty much grabbed the third line position, so they need a fourth line center. And Eric Fair is as good of a player as you certainly feel more comfortable with him there than than Dan O'Regan, right? Oh, well, yeah, <laughs> most definitely, most definitely. And um, he knows what to do, dude. I mean, I don't think this is a guy who's in the team's long-term plans, but uh, he's been effective since he's been acquired and a good under-the-radar pickup, dude. So uh, we've been mostly uh, glass empty this year, but I'm feeling uh, I'm feeling overflowed right now. I'm excited. I'm enjoying where we are and – I uh, can't wait for us to get housed by the Blue Jackets tomorrow. <laughs> Bring me back down to earth. I want to see, I just would love to see um, Evander Kane get a little on fire, score some goals, and see if that can stay, you know, contagious on the team, right? The Sharks have scored quite a few goals the last couple of games. I'd love to see that that danger continue, uh, sparked by Evander Kane. I mean, there's... It, maybe it's just because he's a new player and I'm excited that he's here and all this kind of stuff, but it seems like he's hungry for the net the way a lot of other players aren't, right? Other right. players are like, yeah, I'm going to shoot here, and, and he's just like, I'm just going to crash in everybody and wrap it around and I'm getting into a fight and I hate all of you and I'm scoring, <laughs> you know? It's like, it, it, there just seems to be a certain hunger for, for scoring goals that Evander Kane has. He he's has that pure goal scorer look to me. Um the way that not too many other Sharks players have. So I, I like that quite a lot. Agreed, dude. Agreed. Well, I have high expectations for uh, this next week. I think the Sharks should win tomorrow against Columbus. I think they should beat St. Louis. And then, you know, the game against Washington, uh, I think that they should win that game too, dude. So uh, I'm looking for six points here, dude. I'm looking for six points. I want to get three more wins. Let's get a big streak going here. Let's put some pressure on the Golden Knights. You know, I, I think that we could see them take a fall here, dude. Yeah. From your mouth to the hockey gods' ears, dude. I hope so. Amen. 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 Mars ride. Here we come. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dude. I will talk to you next week. Go Sharks. Go Sharks. show want to get your questions on the air email questions at dudesonhockey.com dudes on hockey is not affiliated with the san jose sharks organization or the national hockey league